Good morning. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael. Thanks for joining us for John chapter 3 today. And it always helps me to review a little bit. So I'm just going to do that to kind of help me think about the context, um, the author's direction and where he's going, and some of the major themes. So if I were to look back at John chapter 1, I would think, Okay, Jesus is the Word of God, and John really wants to tell me what that means, and part of that includes these themes of light and life. So we're definitely going to see that in John chapter 3, of Jesus being the life and the light, and that kind of stands in opposition, well not kind of, it stands in opposition to the darkness, of course, right? And um, we had this key verse in John chapter 1 about anyone receiving him, um, as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. And it said that they were born of God. And it makes, makes it clear that they're not born of blood or human descent or um, the will of the flesh or the will of man. So that contrasts um, is also going to show up today um, of being born of God. So those are the things that are that John's going to keep fleshing out from chapter one, uh, or from the prologue rather. And then we see this character John the Baptizer pointing to Jesus. He says, "Behold, look at the Lamb of God." And in fact, when the rulers of the Jews came to talk to him, or when they sent people to talk to him about who he was, um, he immediately goes to um, sort of downgrading, you know, or deflecting from himself. He's, he's not the important one here. He is preparing the way for the Lord. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John is pointing to Jesus. And we even see this transfer of John's disciples, people that were following and learning from John, uh, began going to Jesus. And that seems to be the whole point uh, of John's ministry. So you see Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel looking at Jesus. So there's this, in chapter one, huge focus, obviously, on Jesus as all the characters began to turn their attention toward him. And this even becomes more clear in chapter 2 as Jesus is doing these signs. People begin to take notice of these signs that he's doing. And you think, you know, when the rulers of the Jews came to John and he said, oh, it's not really about me, they must have really uh, been a little antsy at that. Because John was already causing trouble for them. Um, he was already shaking things up, so to speak. And now he's only the foretaste of what's about to happen. Um, that's a little scary for them. Um, and then, of course, Jesus confirms their fears by coming into the temple, turning over tables, making a whip, calling it his father's house, and then, in their minds, or in their ears, the way they heard it, he was threatening to destroy the temple. 
which was the center of their worship. So massive confusion on their part, which we're going to see them try to sort some of that out um, in the coming chapters, and that begins in chapter 3. Um, last thing to say as we go into chapter 3 is that we're left sort of with this cliffhanger at the end of chapter 2, this kind of ominous thing. Jesus does not entrust himself to people that believe in him because he knows what's in man. Now, people are coming after Jesus and believing in him. You'd think that he would pat himself on the back and um, congratulate himself and them and capitalize on that, so to speak. But that's not the feeling that we're left with. We are left with the feeling that um, some of these people are, are going to to turn away from Jesus, or some of these people who say they believe are really on the fence. And so we're about to meet one of those people right now. The Gospel of John, Chapter 3 now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Okay, so lots of things going on here with the visit of Nicodemus. In the previous chapter, we just said that Jesus knows what's in a man and he didn't entrust himself uh, to them because of that. And then it says that a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. I think it's significant that he comes by night. He comes under cover of darkness. And he also comes as somebody important. He's a ruler of the Jews. And later Jesus refers to him as the teacher of Israel. So you notice when the people were sent to John, the baptizer, to ask him who he said he was, those were some people that were sent by the important people. But they've sort of stepped up their game here, like something is happening, right? That John is passing it off to Jesus. Nicodemus, after especially after this temple incident, has to go check it out himself. So they're pulling out the big guns to go check out Jesus. And Nicodemus comes respectfully and calls him rabbi and um, says, basically suggests the same question, like, who are you? We know that you're sent from God or you wouldn't be able to do these things that you're doing. And here the conversation um, gets a little cryptic and kind of esoteric. You're, I know that while I'm reading it, I'm thinking, like, why is Jesus answering that question in this way? You must be born again. Um, that's really interesting. But once again, if we go back to the prologue, John talked about being born of God. And so um, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's giving Nicodemus a lot to think about as Nicodemus is trying to process who Jesus is and why he came. Jesus is just being a good teacher. He's, he's, he's giving Nicodemus things to think about. He's alluding to the Old Testament um, when he talks about um, being born again um, of water in the Spirit. Um, I think a lot of people agree that that idea comes from Ezekiel 36 and 37 where Jesus, or excuse me, where um, the Lord says that he's going to sprinkle new water and give the people new hearts. And then in the very next chapter of Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel 37, um, he asks, Son of man, can these dry bones live? And so Jesus alludes to these things. Um, he also refers to himself as the Son of Man. He talks about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. 
So understand, or my understanding rather, is that Nicodemus is a pretty brilliant teacher of Israel. Jesus expects him to know these things, and so he's giving him these things to think about. And so if you're getting tripped up in those first in the first part of this section, um, you're in good company because I feel a little tripped up in there sometimes too. Um, I think the way to look at it is to not only look at the prologue, but to look at what follows in the very next section, which is a very straightforward. You can almost say that verses 16 through 21 explain what Jesus just said. And it starts with that most familiar verse to us, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus is the object. He's the thing that we once again have to look at in order to be saved. We have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So it's very passive in a sense on our end. It, it, it can't be worked up by the flesh. Jesus says whatever's born of flesh is flesh. This has to be born of God. It has to be born of the Spirit. And sometimes you don't even know it's coming. It's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming and where it's going. So um, pretty deep teaching by Jesus here, but pretty explanatory in verses 16 through 21. And um, I think it's, it's key also to mention that um, it says that we love darkness because our deeds are evil, Right? And I don't think that that's lost on Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus under cover of darkness to talk to him. And we assume that he walked back out into the darkness. And we don't hear much about Nicodemus. But he does come up later in John. So keep your eyes peeled for that much later in John. But the question sort of reflects onto us from Nicodemus. Do we love darkness instead of light? Is it because we don't want the wickedness of our hearts to be exposed? Because then we'll know that we need to be born again? So it really comes all together there in verse 21. Because um, it says, whoever does what is true comes to the light. And so this is kind of what happens, right? When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved. We are born again and we come to the light instead of hiding in the darkness. So let's go into the second part of chapter 3 now. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, continued. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Ainon, near Salim, because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses 
that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Wow, this is such a masterful piece of writing by John the Apostle. I mean, right as we see the Pharisees, Nicodemus in particular, turn their attention to Jesus, uh, they previously had their attention on John the Baptizer, and now we see John the Baptizer sort of, we see his story kind of fading to black. And he knows that that's happening. And I just want to focus real quick on those verses where he says that now his joy is made complete or his joy is made full. That phrase is going to show up again later on in the gospel. Um, Jesus is actually going to say it, I think, a few times, if I'm not mistaken. But his joy is made full. John the baptizer's joy of pointing to Jesus he realizes that he is not the groom at the wedding. He's the friend of the groom. He's like the best man. He was Jesus's cousin. And his whole life was about pointing to Jesus. And he ends by saying that he, that is Jesus, must increase. But I, that is John the baptizer, must decrease. And I just want to encourage you and myself to apply that to our lives. What if that is the thing that made our joy complete? That Jesus, his glory, his name, his reputation, his fame, his love would increase and that we would decrease. Would we be not only content in that, but that that is the thing that would actually complete our joy? Uh, the chapter ends by saying that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but do, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 
I think this chapter, though it's difficult, does a good job of tying everything together. You're going to see people who look like they believe and then they don't believe. Jesus says you must be born again. And so when someone is born again, they are a new creature. That belief has effectively taken root. And a Christian is someone who continues to believe, not someone who believes once. A, con a Christian is someone who continues to repent, like the repentance that we saw John the Baptist call people to. And so that continuation, that obedience, as it were, is an effect. But the cause is that this person is new. They are born of God. And so just some things to think about. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you tomorrow in John chapter 4.